So there's a couple of things we're doing this term as we preach and, uh, on Sunday mornings. As you know and as we've mentioned a couple of times, David is doing a series about Israel, a series of three, which we've, uh, it's not a consecutive series, we, we, we're interspersing it through the term up to Easter. And for the rest of the time, we're going to be looking at songs in the Bible, some of the lesser known ones. So we're not looking at Psalms, which is a book of songs. And there are some other songs that we may uh, know very well and we may have heard preached about lots of times. And there are some lesser known ones. Um, And uh, so we're going to preach on some of the lesser known ones. But they're all songs that the Bible says are songs. (laughs) So that's just one way of whittling down (laughs) uh, to to what we're going to preach on. So where the, the Bible says this is a song or they sang this, that gives us... Um, the indication that it's a song. And so we're looking at some of those. And this morning, we're going to look at the uh, songs, two songs, that are um, in the Bible, they're recorded as the first song and the last song in the Bible. So, let's have a look at those then. The first, one, the first one is in Exodus 15, and the second one is in Revelation 15. So you might, if you've got a Bible, you might uh, want to look at those. The first is called the Song of Moses and Miriam. And it is sung uh, shortly after the Exodus. Now the Exodus is where God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt... And uh, they crossed, as you know, the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds. Uh, They crossed through that sea. And when the Egyptians came to try and capture them and take them back to be slaves, the sea uh, came and washed uh, washed over those soldiers, Pharaoh and his soldiers, and they died. And so it's a song of rescue from the point of view of the Israelites. They were now free to go where God called them to go. And they didn't always do it in the way God wanted them to do it. (laughs) But at this point, they have just been saved from slavery. They've been rescued by God, and now their enemies, the people chasing them, have been defeated. God has been victorious. So, in Exodus 15, we read, starting at the beginning, then Moses and the Israelites, sounds like a pop group, doesn't it? Moses and the Israelites. Anyway, Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defence, or my song. You might have either of those. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord, or Yahweh, is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Yahweh, 
was majestic in power. Your right hand, Yahweh, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger and consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Yahweh? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized and trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Yahweh, until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. Yahweh reigns forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, this, this isn't part of the song, when Pharaoh's horses, chariots and horsemen went into, went into the sea, Yahweh brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand and all the women followed her with, with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, both horse and rider he has hurled into the sea. We might not feel comfortable about all of that, <laughs> but let's take a look at it. The first thing is, it's a song about God. It's about God, it's about who he is, and it's about what he's done. Moses is the leader of the people at this point. Moses has brought them the law. Moses is the one who went to Pharaoh and eventually persuaded Pharaoh um, to let the people go. Um, Moses is the one who's led them across the Red Sea. But notice in this song, Moses is never mentioned. It's all about God. And 
In our celebrity culture, where we look for celebrities, we look for leaders, we look for people that we can emulate, it's interesting that Moses could have taken all that on himself. I led the people. God chose me to do this. I've been the leader. I brought the Ten Commandments. I have a special relationship with God, and I have brought you to this place. He doesn't do that. It's all pointing towards God. Moses is singing about God. And I think that's a bit of a lesson to us, as I say, in our celebrity culture, even in our Christian celebrity culture, where we look for great leaders, that actually, at the end of the day, it's, it's about God. He might raise this person up to do this, that person to do that. He might give a word to this person about this. But actually, at the end of the day, it's all about God. And we see here, the person who could have started trying to take some of the glory for himself, i.e. Moses, is, takes none of it. It's all about God, and that's who he sings about. It's a song about praising God for a recent rescue. God has rescued his people in a mighty way and brought them out from hundreds of years of slavery and he's brought them out now to lead them to their own land, to a promised land, um, a place which is going to be good for them. And first of all, Moses says, I will sing to the Lord. When Miriam uh, takes up that refrain, she says, sing to the Lord. She's calling people. It's a call to worship. It's a call to praise. It's a call to praise for a recent thing that God has done. Notice in verse 2, um, Moses says, he's my God and I will praise him, my father's God and I will exalt him. This God has a history. He's not just a fly by night, <laughs> a flash in the pan. He's a God who has a history, a history of leading his people in love, a God of, of working, uh, with a history of working in power a God uh, with a history of uh, right dealing and a God with a history of relationship with his people. Interestingly, Pharaoh says, I don't know who this Yahweh is. Yahweh is God's name. I don't know who he is. Well, he found out who God was. And he found out that this God, Yahweh, is um, he's a mighty warrior. He is powerful. It talks about the Lord as a warrior. Now, it's not an image that we use very often, and it's not an image that we are perhaps comfortable with. We may think of God as our saviour, as our friend. Um, what's that song? Jesus, lover of my soul. Very gentle imagery, but here it says God is a warrior. And God led his people to safety and he defeated the enemy and that meant that people, that enemy died. <coughs> we might not be comfortable with that, but that's part of God's history. And he has the right to judge. 
In verses 7 to 11, it talks about how incomparable God is. He is greater than the enemy. He's greater than the sea. He's greater than anything else. When God speaks and, um, and works in power, we see that he is greater than anything else. He's not a God who just sits up in heaven and lets things just happen. He is a God who intervenes. Leaves us with some uncomfortable questions sometimes, doesn't it? Why didn't God intervene here? Why doesn't God intervene there? We may not know the answers to that. But this is his people. The people who are his inheritance, if you read back in, earlier on in, in, in Genesis, Genesis 6 and following. He called for himself, to himself a people. A people who were to represent him. A people, do you remember the people that started off with Abraham? Do you remember the promises to Abraham? The promise. He promised Abraham great a, that he'd become a great nation. Promised Blessing to others. Land. Yeah, he's, he promised a special relationship with God. So he called himself to himself a people, effectively, who would have a special relationship with God, but also a special responsibility to tell others about, about him. And so, in this instance, he rescues his people from slavery and defeats the enemy that would try and take them back into slavery. It's called redemption. That's a big theological word. When God rescues from slavery and brings into freedom. Let's remember that word because we'll use it again later. God fought and he won. Notice that all of this, Moses turns around that God won that these people were God's enemies, that Israel was God's people. It's not just a nation that's set up under its own auspices, you know, and got its own leader and all the rest of it. it, it this is God's inheritance, this is God's people, and um, Moses is recognising that. And it talks about um, God's everlasting love which I've just lost in my Bible. Can anybody find that one for me? Yes, where, where is it? Sorry, verse 13. That's right, yes. So it might have um, unfailing love, everlasting love. Sometimes it's called uh, loving kindness, as one word. Sometimes it's called covenant love. And we'll, we'll come across that word quite a few times in our series. Um, and the fact that it's translated in so many different ways might indicate to us all that actually it's a difficult word to translate. What does it mean? What does it mean? In one sense, it means a sort of relentless commitment on God's part to fulfill his promises. He will fulfill his promises. He has committed himself to this people and he will fulfill his promises. Um, and in this instance, he says he will guide them to his dwelling place. 
And what will happen to the enemies? It um, lists quite a few enemies, but it's kind of summarized in the beginning of verse 14. The nations will hear and tremble. Verse 16, terror and dread will fall on them. They will see that this God is a God to be reckoned with. If you've got time during the week, you might want to read Psalm, uh, Psalm 82, where it says, you know, there are lots of spirit beings, sometimes called gods with a little g, but there's one who is unique and who is above them all, and that is Yahweh. And what this is saying here is the nations will look and they will see that this God, who is the God of, of Israel, is a God to be reckoned with and greater than all their gods, and they will tremble with fear. And then finally, um, almost finally for this song, verse 18, the Lord reigns forever and ever. He is the king forever and ever. Here we have a declaration that God is king, who ultimately he's king over everything. That's just that the other nations don't recognize that yet. But he is king over everything, which is interesting, isn't it? You, you, may, um, you may know the story of later on, Israel asked for a king. We want a king like all the other nations. And Samuel, who was the prophet, the leader at that time, was very upset about that. And the reason he was upset, I think, is because God was their king. They already had a king. It was God. And so in saying, we want a king like everybody else, they were actually rejecting God as their king. And that's why Samuel was so upset about that. And God actually says, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. A sad, a sad story. <coughs> this song is one, um, we may never experience anything like um, what the Israelites were experiencing there. We may never face an enemy that we want rescue from in this world. So it's a little bit difficult for us to put ourselves in that situation. Right? Um, but in, if we can imagine for a moment that we are being harassed and hounded by an enemy and then we are rescued and our enemy is routed, we might be able to understand why this is a song of praise for the Israelites. Not only have they been rescued, but actually God's rescued them. And God's rescued them from somebody or a, a, a nation who would put them back into slavery. And so they can sing this as a song of praise. They can talk about God being their warrior, which, as I said, we might find a bit uncomfortable. But actually, he, he, that, is, that is how he acted at that point. He redeemed his people. He rescued them from slavery. Now let's look at Revelation 15. This is the last uh, song that's um, called a song in the Bible. I'm going to read from 
verse 1 to 4. I saw in heaven another great and marvellous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues, last because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire and standing beside the sea those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. They held harps given them by God and sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. And here's the song. Great and marvellous are your deeds, Lord Almighty. Just and true are your ways. King of the nations, who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. It's interesting that the first and the last songs in the Bible actually have a very similar theme. It talks about God's deeds, the things he's done. The things that God has done are great and marvellous. God is almighty. That means very, 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 very powerful. Sometimes we skip over that word. Oh, yes, he's almighty, but it means he has all the power. Your ways are just and they are true. This is about God's character. He is just and he is true. Again, it talks about God being the king. He is the king, not just of Israel. He is the king of the nations or of the ages. He's not a God that is restricted to one people. It's not, he's not a God that's restricted to one point in time. He is a God of the world, if we want to put it that way. He is a God of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? We look with awe at God. For you alone are holy. Again, we're talking about God's uniqueness. God is unique. And in this situation, what happens? All the nations will come and worship you. Initially they came, you look back at the first song, they came with fear. They trembled. And by this point, um, if you like, that has become worship as people in the nations realize, not the same group of people, of course, but they realize, the nations realize who God is. At the end of time, the nations will realize who God is time and people from every tribe, tongue and nation will worship God. And it says here, for your righteous acts have been revealed. When we see what God does, when we see what God has done, and that might be instances in our own lives, that might be instances in history, like the rescue of the Israelites from slavery. It might be when we read our Bibles and we see what Jesus did on the cross. 
All of those things reveal who God is. They reveal that he is God, that he is holy, just and true. They, re they reveal that he keeps his promises. They reveal that he is the king. Both songs, the first song and the last song, are talking about how God redeems people. How he rescues people. In Israelites, um, in, the, in the story of the Exodus, he was uh, rescuing them from a physical, literal slavery. But he rescues all people from slavery to sin and death. It's the same story. This is who God is and this is what he does. Sometimes in tangible ways, but sometimes we realise it's in a spiritual realm. But it's the same. God is the same all the way through. He wants to redeem people. To rescue us from slavery. And this is the God we worship. This is the God we proclaim. It's not about us. It's about him. Amen. Amen.